So we have the secret project that has resulted in an enormous file, a I think about 300 gigabyte file that I want to synchronize between my laptop and my desktop, but it's taking forever to upload on my house over my Wi-Fi. So I was thinking I can bring my laptop to your house to synchronize over your faster Wi-Fi. I don't think that I've mentioned on this show, but I have I have gigabit internet now. Yeah. There, yeah. there is a company in the UK called Hyperoptic, which I discovered had cable run through my building. Mm-hmm. Um, so I now have super fast internet. So yes, by all means, Gray, you can bring your laptop over to my house when you visit Mega Office this weekend. And you can uh, you can upload it. I mean, you can upload it. I can download a video game. We can stream TV shows. I've got bandwidth for days, my friend. No problem here at all. Do you know, I, I ran a speed test before we started the show because I just like to do that now. I know you do. I know you do. And over Wi-Fi, uh, I'm getting 500 up and down right now. So whatever you need, buddy, whatever you need. I know you like to run speed tests all the time. I know you like to tell everybody about your super fast internet. Uh-huh. It's, it's, you, can't, you can't go an hour without telling someone in casual conversation that you have super fast internet. I'm sure the barista at your local coffee place knows that you have super fast internet. You just casually drop it into conversation all the time. I, I got a new tattoo of my uh, upload and download speed. Yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's what's happening. Yeah, That's going to be the tattoo on your other arm. Well, look, there were days where episodes of cortex will cost me actual money mm-hmm. but I, like i had to pay to increase my mobile bandwidth cap to download the logic file right so now i'm able to do this in a, in a flash like i'm able to upload videos to youtube like multiple gigabyte videos in like a in like it, it's in the count of seconds rather than minutes right <laughs> yeah i know i know i mean look look mike when you first got your super fast Wi-Fi, did I not say there was no man in the world who was more deserving of this than you? Mm-hmm. Right? No man who had struggled through sadder, slower, flakier internet for years building an internet-based business who deserved this upgrade than you. Did I not say that? You did say that. I did say that, right. But now... I keep hearing about your great internet, right? You keep mentioning it, right? You know, you're getting tattoos of it. You're bringing it up all the time. It's gone too far. And now, now I'm just resentful and envious. And, I don't, and my goodwill is somewhat gone. <laughs> because it's like, oh, Mike's going to tell me about his internet again. <laughs> I know. I know, Mike. You'll get to experience it. <laughs> You'll be able to upload your super secret project. And step one for us sharing an office together will be complete. I'm going to put oh, a no. second desk inside of Mega <laughs> Office. I have another corner. <laughs> and we can share that internet together, Gray. Me and you. It'll be lovely. Oh, it's a trap. I just realized it's a trap. I'm not going to do it. I also have a VR headset in here. If we both get VR headsets, could we work together? No, wait, no. <laughs> we could just wear the, the VR headsets and we'd be like not even in the same room. You could just have a VR world created of your current office. So it's like I'm never there, but you then still get the really fast internet. You know, you could stream an actual live stream of the office into the other office. Because we'll have enough bandwidth for it. It's going to be great. You're making a lot of sense. It's scary. Also, speaking of your office, mm-hmm. I tell you who I haven't heard about in a while. Your office mate. How are they doing? <sighs> he's, he's doing good. Is he still there? Still making phone calls. <laughs> have you seen him yet? I don't, I don't know what he looks like, no. You still don't know what he looks like? I don't, I don't want to know mm-hmm. what he looks like. Although I did, I did take a picture for you of... 
his crazy whiteboard mm-hmm. oh. because I know pe- <laughs> people don't believe me with the like <laughs> writing big words like growth and focus uh-huh. and customer service surrounded by nothing. But I did happen to pass the office and I did just want to show you to prove that this is really, really what I'm dealing with. How did you snap the picture? Like, did you like hide your phone under one arm and just like grab it on the move? It's it's like, oh, I'm I'm just um checking my phone for a text message, maybe in a slightly camera holding angle. Yeah, that's that's what I'm up to. You know, that's that's how that works. It's like this is a up high text message. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sometimes <laughs> up high, down low, too slow. You know, that's yep. how you're taking text messages sometimes. All right. Oh, look at this. Revenue growth this year. Four arrows pointing at this year. That's amazing. <laughs> Just in case you didn't know it was this year, with the word conversion in the middle. Wow. But you see what I mean? It's like it's it's just buzzwords, but with no like there's no plans, there's lots of arrows, there's pointing. Why would someone deal with us? Choose us. Wow. This is serious stuff, man. Because I think sometimes when people hear me tell the stories, they think, oh, surely it must be an exaggeration. Nobody would write motivation on a whiteboard and circle it three times surrounded by nothing. It's like, but someone does. Someone does. My office neighbor does. Yeah, they really do. They've got like a four quadrant thing. One says Mm -hmm. potential on one side. I can't see what the other one says. With arrows next to them. Man, this is incredible. B-A-U brilliance. Do you know what that means? No, I don't know what that means. Business as usual. Oh, I see. Look at you. You know all the jargon. Oh, yeah. I'm seeing loads of of things. (laughs) It's been a continual source of frustration. I do also have a plan that I'm I'm slowly trying to enact over this, uh, which did include looking for another office. But so far, it has proven unfruitful. (laughs) I thought this was a plan to finally get rid of him. (laughs) (laughs) Is that what the 300 gigabyte file is? (laughs) I mean, look, I just, you know, if if my talking like a crazy person with Thunderstones hasn't convinced him to go away, like nothing was going to convince him to go away. That is true. I'm not going to do anything here. I looked into moving within the same building and that, that wasn't going to work out for a couple of other problems. I actually did try to find another office in my extraordinarily narrow radius where, I'm tra- where I w- would like to find an office. And I thought I had found one, but of course, real estate people... You can't trust them. I don't know if you had that experience, Mike, or not. But mm, yeah, uh, <laughs> this is like they have a reputation in their industry, and it is well deserved. Is my small experience of trying to find another office. You know, I'm sure not all real estate <laughs> brokers, but like vast majority of yes. Yeah, yeah. It's it's it was super fun. Uh, it's like, hey, I have a bunch of requirements for an office. Oh, can yeah, you can tell me yeah can place. you tell me if this office has those requirements it's like i would yeah. like this i would like this i would like this and like this here are the four things that for me are total deal breakers that i would like in an office and they say oh we found a great place for you why don't you come on down and take a look at it and I'm like why don't you answer my f-ing question about if the office actually has these properties I'm like ah just take a look you'll love it it's like that's not an answer right that doesn't tell me if i have a thermostat that i can control Right, you're just you're just trying to get me in the door. It's very frustrating. This office definitely has four properties. Yeah, no, it does. It has four of them. One hundred percent has four. I actually came very close to 
signing a lease for a new office because I like a like a miracle, right? Like manna from heaven. I did find an office that met all of my various picky requirements. Uh, that's exactly where I want it to be. It has everything I could possibly want in it. Uh, it was a little bit expensive, like a little <laughs> bit out of a little bit out of the range that I actually wanted to. But it was way too expensive, is what it was. <laughs> it's a little expensive, but I was like, you know what? This is like this is totally worth it. Like I, you know, if 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 it meets all of these things, it's fine. Like I can deal with this. And they're like, oh, you just have to sign for a three-month lease. I'm like, okay, that's fine. That's a reasonable amount of time, right? Uh, but then as as negotiations go on, they're like, oh, did we say three months? Uh, we meant six months. And you have to put up 25% in advance. I'm like, six months? That's a long time to commit if I don't know if I like the office for sure. Like, it has all of the properties that I want. But just like this guy who's next door to me in my current place, maybe there's some sort of deal breaker that I don't know about. And signing up for six months without without knowing that, yeah. like, it's a long time. Yeah. So I was like, six months, I hemmed and hawed about it for a little while, and I finally decided, like, okay, six months, I'm willing to take this gamble, because, again, I'm picky and it meets all of my criteria. What are you going to do? Like, you have to do this when you buy a home as well, like, or when you rent a home. You always have a contract. You never know what it's actually going to be like. Sometimes you have yeah. to just roll the dice. Yeah, always. There's always some yeah. some you have to roll the dice. Uh, but guess what? When I showed up on the actual day to sign the actual final lease, it was, oh, did we say a six-month uh. lease? We meant a year. And you have to put down 25%. And it's also more expensive than we originally thought. <laughs> like, I see what you're doing, right? I'm no fool here. You're like, you knew this right from the beginning. You've just been slowly cranking up. Like, once you get me used to six months... You're trying to see if you can lock me in for a year. So it's like, how oh, the hell with you? Like, I'm walking out of here. I don't want anything to do with this office. I'm not falling for your tricks. I'm getting out of here. So anyway, I don't have a new office. What are you going to do? Growth. Growth. That's what you're going to do. Growth is what you're going to hear. What I've been doing is spending more time working like I used to at different places around the city, which has been an interesting uh, change of pace. This is like sometimes like, I, don't have, I haven't wanted to go into my regular office. I'm going to go somewhere else, just like I used to. Uh, and so that's been an interesting thing to do. But that's what I've been up to lately with my office. You're not wasting money now on, on your office? Look, there's a plan. There's still a plan in place here, Mike. Okay. But, uh, you know, I'll update you at some point in the future when there's when there's more. But there's a plan. Okay. Don't you worry. Operation something something. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, ooh, I should come up with a good project name for it. Oh, how have you got a project name? This is the one project that deserves a name out of everything. Do you know why there's no project name? It's because I've had nowhere to write a project name. Because I've been keeping my projects in my head for the time being. That's I haven't had to write anything down. Still just in your head? Yeah, yeah, I'm doing fine. Oh dear. Oh dear. Don't you worry about me. This episode of Cortex is brought to you in part by FreshBooks. The freelance life, it can be challenging. But our friends at FreshBooks believe the rewards are worth it. And they build tools to make the challenge easier for all of us. With FreshBooks, you can create and send professional-looking invoices in less than 30 seconds. You build your invoices in a WYSIWYG interface so you'll see them exactly how your client will. And you'll be able to set up online payments with just a couple of clicks. This is why FreshBooks customers get paid up to four days faster. You can also see when your client has seen your invoice. So there's no more guessing games, no need to send an email to 
ping your client to ask if they've seen the thing, you know if they've seen the thing. Even better, FreshBooks has an all-new notification system that you can think of as your own personal assistant. Every time you'll log in, you'll get an update on what's changed with your business and what needs your attention. These features are coupled with a beautiful redesign focusing on simplicity and clarity, giving you a bird's-eye view of your business at all times. FreshBooks is offering Cortex listeners a free 30-day unrestricted trial. Just go to freshbooks.com slash Cortex and enter Cortex in the how did you hear about us section so they know that you came from this show. Once you do that, you can get busy invoicing and get busy getting paid. Thank you so much to FreshBooks for supporting this show and all of Relay FM. So this makes me think of something. You know, this this person who's making these calls at all hours of the day uh, is lining up with something that's been in my mind right now, which is time shifting. Mm. And I have a couple of, couple of reasons I'm thinking about this. One is uh, with the assistant stuff, which we'll get, might touch on a little bit later on. You know, it's just thinking about um, being in the UK, dealing with the US. Obviously, your your office mate deals with, where did you think it was? Hong Kong or something? Uh, yeah, it's China and somewhere else. Right, so that is a thing. And and the reason it's on my mind as well right now is because of daylight savings time. Mm. So there's a two-week gap yeah. between the US changing and the UK changing. And right now, we're in the good one. This is totally crazy-making. I find this impossible to keep track of every year. Yeah, it's, it takes me a surprise every single time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't I don't have to, to deal with, obviously, as many sort of cross-ocean meetings calls as you do but i still have family and friends Mm -hmm. in america and i can just like this this time of year i'm always just vaguely aware is the crazy time of year because it's like oh right around march and then i don't know when is it like around october or something Mm -hmm. you have to be way more careful when you're planning with people because you might get caught by a surprise daylight savings change right it's it's incredibly frustrating it's incredibly frustrating now that i work for myself this is the good one because i get two weeks of everyone being an hour closer to me but when i was doing this as my side thing this was the bad one because i had to get home from work quicker ah of course right Right? of course because shows that were recording at six were now recording at five and then that Mm. was just nightmare time for two weeks but now it's Mm -hmm. good because everything's happening earlier in the day so i get more time in the evening right Mm -hmm. and also we're closer it's just everything's just closer that that one hour actually does make a big difference oh yeah yeah it really does now before we kind of i want to i want to kind of ask you about time shifting and, and and if and when that is a thing for you but before we do, I have a I have a, a, a tip, uh, a life hack, you may call it, for Mac and iOS users. Mm-hmm. So I use an, an app called Fantastical, um, and there are, I'm sure there are other applications that do this. I think Apple's Calendar allows you to do this to set event times in other time zones. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I do this where like I'm setting my shows in the time zones of my host. So mm-hmm. I don't need to change my entire calendar around when daylight savings time hits. It just does it on its own. So that is a, a, a tip for anybody that does schedule with people in other time zones in other countries. When daylight savings time changes, you end up like, you go, f- do you move the meeting forward or back? Like you don't have to <laughs> yeah, do any I of that. Never, I can never do that math. I was just, I was just looking on uh, my computer because I use Fantastical and Apple's calendar for different things. Uh, I find them useful in different ways for looking at my schedule in, in different, in different manners. Uh, but I have Apple's calendar up right now and... Uh, for anybody who uses that, it's hidden, 
but it's in preferences under advanced there's an option to turn on time zone support by default that is not listed there and when you turn that on it allows you to do the same thing like fantastical does of set the meeting in the other person's time zone and i always do that like if you're mm -hmm. ever coordinating with someone who's remote you never do the like oh a meeting in my time right it's always like no 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 you know it's it's you're in New York, right? We're going to have a meeting at 3 p.m. New York time, right? And I enter that into my calendar that way. And then it just shows up however it is. Yep. Uh, it's it's super helpful to do it that way because it's it's just so easy to mess up. It really is. And then, of course, I'll always like invite the other person to that calendar event as well just to try to make sure like we're really on the same page about when is this meeting occurring. You've just reminded me of something, a pet peeve of mine with inviting people to events. Mm-hmm. It really annoys me when somebody invites you to their event, but it's named for them. So it says, meeting with Mike. So I see meeting with Mike in my calendar. Like, that's no good. You need to, like, use everyone's names, all right? Everyone's names, if any names, or no names at all. I think you're complaining about this because I do this. You do this. Everyone does this. I have meetings next week. Where I'm meeting myself like four times next week. It's going to be really good fun. I forget that you can't change the name on the other end. That it's like it's sent the way it looks. It just seems to me like this should, this should be a thing that it's synchronized between both people, but both people should be able to call it whatever they want. And it, just, it seems like, oh, obviously it should just work the way it works in my head, which is like magic. And so I just forget that, that it's an annoyance for the other person. I know what you're saying, but I don't think that would work, right? Like, because... Oh, no, don't give... No, yeah. Like, that's why I mean it would have to work by magic, right? Because it's like, computer, I want you to read my goddamn mind, right? About what do I want in the title of this thing. I just mean, like, you imagine there's like a meeting with eight different people and everyone keeps changing the name of it, right? It's just like, and nobody knows what the meeting is. Yeah, there's no win situation. There's, there's no proper way to handle this in the way that I would want. That's that's why I, I totally acknowledge it. But yet every time I set a meeting, some part of my brain just thinks, oh, this this works the way you think it should. Just send the just send the invitation. Everything's good. So time shifting is is kind of what I refer to as when you observe somebody else's working hours and kind of in place them on your own a little bit. And it's why, you know, we've spoken about sleeping patterns in the past. And like one of the reasons that I go to bed so late is because I can pick up some stuff in the in the evening, which is still for people that are awake in some time zones in the US. And I just wondered if like, do you do this at all? Like, do you ever observe time zones in that way? I don't know if you work with as many people in the US as I do. I'm not sure what you mean by observe time zones. Like the... The primary time zone relationship that I have is between myself and my assistant. And I am always hugely aware that it is very helpful to me that she is on U.S. Central Time. Mm -hmm. The overlap between her working hours and my working hours and when I am open to the world versus closed to the world. Like it is just the perfect time zone ever relationally to me. And so if, if if I ever had if I ever had to get another assistant, it would be like, tell me where you are in time zone world. Like this 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 is hugely important. Why is, is, do you find central to be better than eastern? Well, it's it's a combination of when she gets up because she happens to get up very early, right? So right. If, if she was in if she was keeping normal working hours, eastern time zone would probably be better. Uh, but her her schedule is kind of shifted very early in the day, 
And it is also a side effect of, I, I, I think I mentioned this before, but I really do try to quarantine my mornings. Like I don't want the external world involved in my mornings at all. So it's like by the time I shift to being open to the world, this is around the time that she is starting her day. Right. And so she, she has like the whole day ahead of her to do stuff. Uh, whereas I wouldn't want or need someone available to me in the mornings because I would never be sending requests or receiving information from someone during those times. Like that's, that's when I try to be walled off from everything. So this is why I had a revelation in the last two weeks. Mm -hmm. I thought I was this way, right? Mm -hmm. That I like my quiet time in the morning and I do mm -hmm. like it. But I do also want someone that I'm working with to be available to me. And it's mm. the difference in our business, right? Like you're walling yourself off for creative work completely. And I'm doing some of that, but I'm also dealing with paperwork and mm -hmm. sponsor copy and stuff in that time in the morning. And I was always thinking to myself that like, oh, US Eastern time, that's what I want. I want someone to be awake just in US Eastern time. But then I realized that US Eastern working time, I'm usually recording shows. Mm -hmm. So I can't work with my assistant. It actually became important to me to realize that, oh, maybe I need somebody who can overlap for both. So I have somebody who's available during my morning, my quiet morning before America wakes up. Mm -hmm. But then also up until like, lunchtime in the US in, in Eastern time. This is, I am I'm terrible at doing any kind of time zone math, right? This is, this is why I have to do it all on the calendar and always trust the calendar to do because I'm thinking like, does that time zone exist? When would that even be? I have no <laughs> idea. Like, have you worked this out on a piece of paper or are you asking for two six-hour slots that are six hours apart? Not really. Is that what you're asking for? Not really. Like, standard UK working time will do mm -hmm. this. Because, oh, okay. like, yeah, <laughs> well, that's a pretty good solution, actually. Mm -hmm. So GMT is is ended up, funnily enough, being the best time zone because mm -hmm. I get availability in the morning if I need it when it's just mm -hmm. me, and then kind of six about six o'clock is basically lunchtime in mm -hmm. the U.S. And I feel like if somebody has asked you something past lunch, tomorrow is fine in most instances, right? Tomorrow is fine. It's lunchtime, of course. We're on the we're on the we're on the other side of this thing. <laughs> so yeah, I, I didn't really think of that going for like as as an option when I started the the whole thinking about an assistant process. But I started mm -hmm. instead of because what I was doing before is I was paying attention to how much time it took for me to do things, not necessarily when I'm doing them. Mm -hmm. When I pay a bit more attention to that, it, it helped. Now for me personally, I'm still gonna continue doing things the way that I do things, where like there's more work happening at midnight, but I would never ask anyone <laughs> to do that for me because that is a silly way to work, but it's the way that I work. That would seem unreasonable to ask someone to be available during UK working unreasonable hours. Unreasonable is not even a strong enough. Also through it. until midnight. <laughs> so can you be awake 24 seven? Is that all right? Yeah, we can do this, right? We're good together. I don't know, Mike. Maybe it sounds like you need two assistants. One assistant is non-assistant. How many assistants do you have? I have... None assistance by that logic. <laughs> <laughs> is there an update on the assistant? I'm curious. There is. What's going on? We have hired someone. Oh, wow. It's all, it's all done. Lock, yep. stock, and barrel. All done. All taken care of. Wow. Getting business done, Mike. That's what you're up to. Not yet. About to get training done. <laughs> okay, so first tell me, though, how did, the, how did the interviewing process go? Is there anything that you can say about that? It was um, it was better than I thought it was going to be. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, we booked in the majority of interviews to occur over two days. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was going to kill me. But it was absolutely fine. Because we booked hmm. them in one hour blocks. And they were like half an hour each. So it was 30 mm-hmm. minutes on and off. So, you know, I got 30 minutes of interviewing time. 30 minutes of playing Zelda. Uh, right. You know, and then just replicate that over two days. Okay. Um, and yeah, it was it was illuminating. Mm-hmm. Um, as I said, like, I came to my realization about when my working hours should be during this process mm-hmm. because it was more in my mind than usual of like thinking about all of these people and the times that they would be available. And I was like, oh, I need to do this thing right now. That person's not going to be awake. Mm-hmm. Right. So like that was kind of like a big thing that that was like playing on my mind a lot as we were going through. Uh, I realized that, like, I wish I had all the money in the world because <laughs> there were, like, <laughs> uh-huh, right, maybe, like, okay. three people that I would have hired, you know? Um, so, it was it was very interesting, uh, but a rewarding experience, and, and I think that we've ended up in a, in a pretty good place. And, yeah, it was, it's, been, it's been very interesting, and it's made me feel like a grown-up. Um, which is very strange. Yeah, I think when you get to the point where you're hiring people, you're you're a proper grown up. There's no getting around that. We're setting up accounts now, right? Like email addresses and authentication for such and such system. And yeah, I'm I'm re- I am very excited though to see where it's going to go, especially because I'm traveling a lot in April. Mm-hmm. So I'm really pleased that we're able to get the ball rolling now on this. So I can have some assistance in April and also so we don't have to wait until May. Because there's a lot of time that we're going to need to spend together uh, looking at stuff together, mm-hmm. right? So I can show them how this works and how that works. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, that, I, I am actually in, I'm interested to see how it goes. Um, I'm excited to see how somebody tries to interpret my system. <laughs> <laughs> and I wonder what it's going to look like on the other end of it, you know? When I have to try and explain to someone the way I do things, how am I going to feel about that stuff? I don't know. You're going to you're going to feel terrible about it. Is is how you're going to feel. Yeah. Right? Like this is this is this is I I find is is part of the whole process is explaining how you do things yep. to another person. It's it's just like when we're having a conversation, talking about anything, right? Like whenever someone's talking out loud their own thoughts, you you're thinking about it as well, and especially when you have to explain it to someone else, all of the flaws become much more obvious, right? Or I I know I definitely had the experience of constantly realizing, wow, I'm doing this in a in a way that was not really the best way to do this, but I've just been doing it because. This is the way I've always done it. And I also haven't thought about this particular part of the process, you know, very much at all until this this moment. Uh, so, yeah, that's I think that's what you're going to find is that as, as you go through your own thing, you're going to realize ways to do it better and also ways to do it differently yep. when you're working with somebody else. It was, that was honestly as uncomfortable and difficult as some of that stuff's going to be for me. Mm-hmm. This was part of my motivation in even beginning this process was Mm -hmm. it's time to get some of this stuff out of my brain Mm -hmm. and put it down on paper Mm -hmm. and establish systems and processes Mm -hmm. because we need that if the business is going to keep growing, right? Like That's what it has to be, right? We're we're kind of meeting, we're kind of hitting that point now where Mm -hmm. it's less kind of making it up as we go along and we kind (laughs) of have to to write some of this stuff down. Yeah, and also the like you said, getting things out of your head and getting them into being a process 
Uh, I, I still think for me the most the most shocking example of a a process that I was originally doing that I had kept all all in my head mm-hmm. was the process of making the Hello Internet podcast go live, right? Which was a thing that I used to be responsible for the whole of that. And when I started having my assistant help help with that, we were going through it. Like we did it, we did a, um, the way we did it was when I was putting an episode up live, we did a screen sharing chat together. So it's like, I'm going to do this. You're going to watch. You're going to be writing down the process as you go along and then afterwards, like, we'll take a look at the checklist and, and like, we'll, we'll, we'll build this up, but I'm going to go through it once and you see, and then let, let's figure out how to do this. I think one difference between me and you, though, is that we won't be doing this in silence. <laughs> no, it wasn't in silence. We were talking to each other. I thought you said you'd only ever exchanged one word. No, we, we've, we've, I think, maybe spoken to each other 10 times in three years okay. or whatever, right? And this, this was one of those times. Uh, we've, we've never done like a FaceTime phone call right uh, but this this was just a screen sharing thing mm-hmm. and it's useful to do it in voice because voice is just higher bandwidth well you have to if you're going to do this stuff it would that would be mind-boggling to try and do that any other way that's yeah. what, that which is why confused. i wouldn't do it that way no it's, it's, it'd be ridiculous well uh, but well this is, yeah it'd be ridiculous but i i do have to say that that was the most shocking thing to me was uh, you know, as I've mentioned before, like I had a big checklist that I was using for here's all the, f- the switches that need to be flipped, for putting it up on YouTube, for putting it up on Patreon, for doing all the back end uh, on the system, like filling in all the metadata, te- like all of this, like there's just tons of stuff. Like I already had a really long checklist, but when we went through it and it has to be explained in a way that a person who is totally unfamiliar with this system can do it, I realized, oh, this checklist uh, it ended up exploding to be like five times the size because even when I thought I had written down everything, you just don't realize all of the little things that you don't even think are part of the process that you're just doing automatically, but that are not going to be obvious to somebody else who is unfamiliar with it. And so now we have the result is is a document that a competent person could follow through because it literally does have here are all of the steps that are required, not just here are the steps that I want to be reminded of when I'm doing it myself. And like those are two totally, totally different things. But I'm, I'm constantly surprised about how processes expand into multi-level steps when you start working with other people. Yeah, I'm expecting a bit more of like, why do you do it that way? And I'm like, uh, I can't tell you why. <laughs> it was the way I did it the first time. Yeah. <laughs> and it just never changed. <laughs> yep. 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 That's the, that's the answer to very many things. <laughs> why do you do it this way? It's the way I did it the first time. And then this groove got well-worn over time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it is going to be a time-consuming and challenging process, I'm sure. Right. Mm-hmm. It will be with anybody. But I'm excited to do it. Mm-hmm. Because when it's done, everything gets better, mm-hmm. and 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 I'm looking forward to that future. Yeah, I have yet to meet anybody who's gone through this process who, on the other side of it, doesn't make a comment like, "I should have done this a year ago." Right? Just just like just like we were talking about last time. Right? Hires are always made six months too late. This is mm-hmm. the same kind of thing. Like. By the time you're looking into getting someone to help you with anything, you are probably way overdue for needing someone to help you with something. But I'm really happy that you have moved so quickly on this mic 
and I am really interested to see how this goes for you over the next few weeks. Today's episode of Cortex is brought to you by Movement Watches. Movement Watches was founded on the belief that great style shouldn't break the bank. The goal of this watchmaker is to change the way that people think about fashion by offering high-quality, minimalist products at super low prices. Revolutionary prices, in fact. And with over 1 million watches sold to customers in over 160 countries around the world... Movement has solidified itself as one of the world's fastest-growing watch companies. Movement Watches was started by two college kids that wanted to get stylish watches without the ability to really spend a ton of money. So, they came up with Movement. Movement Watches start at just $95, which is so much cheaper than what you're going to be used to paying at a department store. Movement Watches figured out by selling online directly to their customers, they're able to cut out a lot of the markup that you would be used to seeing in retail stores. Movement watches feature a classic design, quality construction, and styled minimalism. That is the perfect way to describe movement. I have a movement watch of my own, and I am really impressed with how it feels when it's on. It's got a nice weight to it. It's not too heavy, but it's it's substantial, which I think is what you want from a nice watch like this. You want to feel like it's on your arm. I have this gray face with blue hands blue dials that really pop which i love a lot and with a sand colored band as well it really is a different type of thing right like it is a good looking watch at a great price and sometimes it's nice to have that little bit of style and that analog design on the wrist you can find out more about movement watches by going to mvmtwatches.com slash cortex and because you're a listener of this show you'll get 15 percent off with free shipping and free returns go and take a look i bet there's gonna be a design that fits you they have so many great designs that come in these great boxes it's time for you to step up your watch game and join the movement Go to mvmtwatches.com slash cortex and thank you to Movement Watches for their support of this show and Relay FM. So, Mike, you know I'm a subscriber to your vlog. Yep. And I'm always wondering where those episodes are. On the schedule. Yes, on the schedule. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, Schedules are very important to me as a listener. Mm -hmm. And And a viewer. No, I only listen to your videos. (laughs) I don't watch them. Yeah, and I only watch... The podcasts mm-hmm. on YouTube, I put the podcast on and then I put mute on. That's how that yep. works. But, okay, so there's no schedule already. This is, this is a thing. But then recently, your most, your most recent video that came out, total format change. Yep. Total, complete format change. Not a vlog. Not a vlog. Not a vlog at all. You, you, sir, were not even on camera for the entire video. That was a choice. So I, I made a video about the Nintendo Switch. You did. Which is something that I was very excited about. And I spent a couple of days when I received the console, obviously playing it and making a video about it as well. Mm-hmm. And a decision that I made from the beginning is that I would not be talking into the camera during the video. Mm-hmm. And that made it way harder mm-hmm. because I had to shoot enough footage to fill my audio. But it was a constraint that I set for myself to try and flex my muscles in making a video in this way. So like a video about a piece of technology 
mm-hmm. and I figured that the further away I took it from being a vlog, the better, just to put myself through that exercise. Like in the future, when I make videos like this, I will probably have sections where I'm also talking to the camera because honestly, it made it harder than it should have been to, to put this video <laughs> together. But I'm still pleased about the decision that I made because it forced my hand in a bunch of ways to like be really heavy handed with cutting the audio down that I'd recorded and also into working out ways to stretch out the product footage that I had to try out some some different ways of of recording things. I'm pleased about the way that that went, Mm -hmm. that I had this idea as a way to push myself and to try and learn some new skills. And I think I learned some new stuff. And having completed the video, I think I've learned more about what I would want to do next time, right? Which is normal. Mm -hmm. So there are a bunch of things that I wasn't happy with. And I've since kind of got feedback from viewers and from friends who make this sort of stuff about how to make those things smoother and better for the future. Mm -hmm. But what I wanted to talk about today in regards to this video is about when something's good enough. So I had a real clear vision in my mind for how this video would look. Mm-hmm. And it was a vision that I never could have achieved with this video, <laughs> right? Because I watch a lot of these sort of tech YouTubers, right? Like I have like MKBHD and Austin Evans. They're like who I consider to be the best at this stuff of everybody that I watch. Mm-hmm. And in my mind, I'm like, <laughs> I want to make a video that looks like theirs. Right. I knew I couldn't do this, right? Mm-hmm. I, I wasn't fooling myself. Right. They have a lot of experience. They're very good at what they do. They have all of the knowledge and the technology all built up. But yeah. that was in my mind, I'm going for that style. That's the end game if I want to make stuff that's like this now as well. Mm-hmm. I had a, an idea in my mind for what I wanted it to be. And then I had an idea for what I felt like I could achieve. So it's like I was being realistic with myself and kind of setting a bar lower. <laughs> All right. So you're already you're already saying I'm doing a doing a format switch. Mm-hmm. Here's a thing that I want to aim for. Yep. Uh, I'd love for it to be an 8K resolution. Yeah. But we're not going to start there. <laughs> nope. So you so you're knocking it down, and you're saying, "All right, here's what I think I can achieve that is in this genre. Like that yes. that's the actual starting point that, yep. that you're going for. Yeah. Like this is the bar of quality that I think I could maybe get, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, I think that I probably only got about 60 or 70% to that point. Right. To the revised starting to point. To the revised goal, right? Mm-hmm. And it's because it's really difficult to do this sort of stuff. It's really difficult for me to try and achieve some shots without the right equipment. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of the stuff the way you see, like, you know, like the camera moving around the device, like I have some little bits that I'd purchased, but they weren't the optimum solution. So they would provide not as good a look. Right. And also the camera that I'm using is like a point and shoot camera. Right. Like it's not a red. Yeah, exactly. You know, so like there are things where like I wasn't aware that there was some stuff that I wouldn't be able to do with the equipment that I had, right? Just at all. Like, I thought that maybe I could try and fake some stuff, but that didn't really work out. No, this is this is a thing that I think is 
just so interesting and is and, and also is the um i don't know how to put it but like like we're always we're always saying people should just start like if you want to make a podcast or if you want to make youtube videos like there's no barrier here like mm-hmm. just get started right just just try but I, I think this is there's this interesting flip side which is that while that is easy to say most of these things that look like they are easy to produce you just don't realize how much is involved behind the scenes and i I think it's because like like if i'm watching a review of a tech product probably because i'm in this world but there is a part of my brain that is always cycling in the back like thinking of all of the shots like Mm -hmm. look at all of these different locations that they're shooting this product in look look at all of these different cuts like every single one of these had to be a cut that was or a shot that was set up and for everything that was set up they probably discarded a whole bunch of other stuff and then there's also the thing that falls into the world of the things you don't realize and this is like what you're saying like oh someone has a smooth moving around the product shot and you think how hard can that be and the answer is without the right equipment that shot is impossible like you can't you can't fake it and it will just it will look all wrong on camera because you don't have the machine that's able to twirl the camera around a fixed point in a smooth motion and it turns out like there's no faking that you can't possibly get around it but like to go back to that original the original point that we made a long time ago that you can make this stuff without the technology that's still Mm -hmm. true but just don't try and do what i tried to do yeah. Right. Don't say I'm not going to be on camera because it. I would have been able to make this video, I think, all in all look better. Like the overall look of the video would have been better if I would have taken out some of the stuff that didn't work. Mm-hmm. But like it got to a certain point where it was like, this is as much as I can give. Right. Yeah. And yeah. And, and what you were saying, I think, is also very important is to understand and work with the limitations that you have mm-hmm. right like if like if you're doing a vlog you shouldn't be aiming for like the thing that i produce is going to look like a casey neistat video right with super professional drone footage and fancy time lapses and all the rest of that but there's still a whole universe of vlog stuff that can be done that can be interesting within different constraints and it's just to be aware of like what equipment do I have and what is something that can be done within this universe of equipment. Like that's that's a very different thing. And um it's easy to not be aware of how hard it is to get some super professional looking stuff. Like I think we've discussed this before, but I'm 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 always amazed by people just not noticing how much work can go into producing something that's super high quality. Yep. But that doesn't mean that that like if you can't hit that mark, you shouldn't you shouldn't try. But just be aware of the limitations of the equipment that you have, and that maybe some things that are in your mind that you want to do, you can't do yet. But you can still create something else that just looks different. So I feel like I ended up getting like sixty percent of the way there, right? Like that's kind of where I think I got to. And I then started reshooting some stuff. Mm-hmm. perfecting some stuff, spending more time on things, reading about things I didn't know how to do in Final Cut so I could try and make this thing look good, right? And mm-hmm. then I would be like, oh, but now that shot's out of focus because little did I know that turning off autofocus is good when you're trying to shoot technology, mm-hmm. right? And then it's like, how do you stop getting screen reflections so you don't see the camera in the screen of the 
the technology device, right? <laughs> Surprisingly hard, yeah. <laughs> so going back and trying to fix this and trying to fix that. And, and I got to the point where I'm like, this product came out X amount of days ago. There were already reviews about this all over the internet. I'm not trying to make something that's going to get me millions of views, but mm-hmm. I don't want to put something out in a month. Right. Right. Like there has to be a cutoff point here. And over the weekend, the weekend has passed. The product came out on a Friday. The weekend was gone. And then by Tuesday, I'm like, I've got to put this thing out because mm-hmm. it's going to get to the point where just like it's just going to be old and boring because I'm still – the audio I recorded was after like my first day or two with the device, right? Mm-hmm. So all of my thoughts are just like first impression thoughts, which is all they were ever going to be. That was the plan for the video. Mm-hmm. But I can't put that out a week late. Exactly. You can't do a first impression – too long after the device comes out like you want to hit this for it is relevant for your audience because i mean yeah i could have if i wanted to if the plan was always to to review this thing over a month and then make a video that is like a month in with the switch then Mm -hmm. that's one thing but that wasn't the video that i was making it was a here is my initial review of this product after a couple of days of it so i had Mm -hmm. to put it out but i didn't think it was good enough it wasn't what i wanted it to be Mm-hmm. And that was really difficult for me because I had this idea in my mind. I didn't feel like I'd made it. And I was just dreading the thought of people seeing it and seeing what I could see. Mm-hmm. All of the faults. Because I was trying something new. I was trying to like break out of my comfort zone with the videos that I've been making because this is a type of video I also want to make like I want to still make the vlog style stuff but I do want to make these product review videos because they're the two types of YouTube videos that I really enjoy watching so Mm -hmm. I want to make them too right but it's like if I put this out and everyone sees how bad it is does that mean I'm never going to do this again right and this was this thing that was just going around and around in my head and, you know, everyone I was showing it to was being nice about it. But, like, of course they're going to be nice about it because they're my friends, you know. Mm-hmm. I showed it to you and you were nice about it, which made me feel better because I know you tell me if it was bad. But I... <laughs> I, like, the way, I like the way you the, the way you started that sentence. is like I, I was showing it to you and you said it was nice and that's good because you're not my friend and you would be mean if it was necessary. <laughs> like, that's the way it sounded like it was going. <laughs> you're just some dude that I work with. Yeah. This is actually the only time we ever talk to each other. <laughs> Even then, like, I know that you would tell me if it was bad, but you might just still be, like, not giving me the whole thing, right? Like, you're mm-hmm. just saying, like, this is good, but you can still see what I can see. And and I was really struggling with this, like, really struggling with it. Like, I haven't felt this way about something in a long time. Mm-hmm. Because, like, if I have a new podcast, like, if I'm working on a new show, there is an element of it that I always know in which it's good. Right, mm-hmm. because I there's there's things that I can judge which are fine, right? Like audio quality, production value, like all of that stuff. I've got that stuff. Like I know how to do that. Mm-hmm. And then it's the content. But this was everything. Like, is my content any good? Do people care about the opinion that I have? And then also, is the quality of this video even worth putting out? And mm-hmm. I was really struggling with it. But I did put it out because it was. It was it was like a do I die moment. I either put this out now or I don't do it at all. But I've been talking for like a month about the fact that I'm going to make this video, mm-hmm. so I kind of had to do it. 
So I put it out, and it, and the the video has been received very well. Um, people have been very complimentary about, and lots of people said about how good it looks, which has made me feel good. There are a couple of people that totally picked out the the points that were wrong, and many of those people gave me good feedback, right? Like feedback mm-hmm. that I'm really pleased that I got. Uh, because I'm still mostly within the people were nice to me on YouTube phase. <laughs> right, right. Mostly, which is good. This video I noticed did get into the... It must have gotten into the recommended for some people because like mm-hmm. some of the comments changed. Like There were people that were referring to me as him as opposed to you or Mike. Right, yeah. Like we've said, that that's the big difference when you yeah. know... Things are getting very popular. This tech reviewer dude, right, who who must make these things all the time. This video that I'm watching, yeah. Mm-hmm. So you know, it was it was an enlightening experience. Um, I still don't know why I didn't get completely panned for it because I, <laughs> just in my mind, this video just it just isn't mm-hmm. what I wanted it to be. But it got to a certain point where I was like, it just has to go out there, and I've learned a bunch. A lot of the stuff that I've learned, I don't think I'll still be able to do most of it. Uh, <laughs> you know, like, it's like, okay, I know this thing now, but I still don't know how to do it. Like, I know how to fix it, but I can't fix it, right? Does that make sense? Right, like, there's a thing mm-hmm. that I know will make this thing better. Someone has told me it, I understand what they're saying, but I don't know how to do it still. There's several things here, right? It sounds like that part that you're talking about is just a pure technical skill, right? Like, I think the video is really good. And I think it is very impressive, especially considering that it is the first kind of video that you have ever done like this, right? There are some shots where I can look at it and say, like, oh, that that shot is overexposed, right? But this is the kind of stuff that, like, nobody cares, right? It's Nobody watching those videos notices or really cares about those things. But you, as the person making it, are aware of two things. You're hyper aware of any of the little problems like an overexposed shot or something out of focus in a way that nobody who's watching the thing will ever notice in a thousand years. And just like you're saying this whole time, you're also extra sensitive because in your mind you have the idea of what the thing was supposed to be and then there's the actual thing that you have created, right? And I mean, I don't know about you, but I feel like I have never put anything on the internet that I felt like, yeah, that was that's what I was going for. Right, nailed it. <laughs> yeah, right. It, it's like even even when I reference this, like the the video that for me was the easiest and the closest ever was my Netherlands video. Like that is the the closest I've ever come to like having an idea and executing it. But even that's not not perfect. Like there's mistakes in that thing. There's there's shots that I don't like, and and this is also why like I, I very rarely, very rarely watch stuff after I put it up, right, or listen to podcasts. Uh, after the after the editing phase because all I'm aware of is like oh that conversation didn't go the way it was supposed to in my head I didn't hit any of the points that I wanted to hit or you look watch a video and you feel like oh look at this look at this parade of failures right that I had all these things I wanted to do and I was only able to do 60% of them I think that's just naturally part of it's naturally just part of the creation process so you still feel that way with your YouTube videos then? Because that was what I wondered. Like, I wondered if, if this gets you too. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. W- w- without a doubt. Like, it, it definitely does. I feel that way with podcasts. I feel that way with videos. You know, like, the Rules for Rulers video, you know, my last real video that I put out. Like, you know, I haven't watched that since it went up 
because I remember even the last couple times when I'm watching it after it goes live just to make sure everything's fine, you know, looking at it like, oh, look, look at all of these missed opportunities, right? All over the place. Things I didn't do, ideas that I wanted to, points that I don't feel like I explained very well. Yeah, of course. I, I, I really feel like this is just naturally, naturally part of the part of the process. This is funny, like because usually I think one of the things that we try to do on this show is to talk about something and then offer some advice, right? Like this is how you can maybe try and make this thing better. But like mm-hmm. this is one of those times where I don't think there is any, right? Like there is well, no advice really. Like it's just this is I, I feel like this is just a thing that people that make stuff, no matter what it is, they go through, and that's just kind of it, really. Like we go through it. Yeah, it's it, yeah. There's no, I don't think there's a way to fix it. No, it gets easier with time, right? Because you know, over time, I will get to sixty five percent of the way because I will get better. So there'll be things that I'll do which will become easier. I feel like you're very optimistic about the progress of that logarithmic curve, right? I, I mean, like, that's yeah, going to be like, a very long time, right? But <laughs> yeah. like, I'll get to sixty and a half percent. Yeah, that, that's six months. Yeah, yeah that's, that's that's kind of what happens because the problem is. As your skills increase, your vision increases faster, mm-hmm. right? So it's, it's like, oh, actually, I think I could do even more. So maybe it even goes down. Like, oh, I've, I've achieved 50% of what I want to do, <laughs> right? Like, well, I think one of the things that has made it easier with me over time with podcast editing mm-hmm. is that I've gotten better at hiding things. Mm-hmm. So, like, as I've learned how to do stuff more, I've worked out some little tricks, you know, mm-hmm. a way to hide something or a way to move around something or a way to, like, take attention away from, like, what is actually occurring, right? Mm-hmm, as, mm-hmm. as a way to, to cover up the thing that was wrong that you can't fix, right? Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think that once you get to that stage, you become more comfortable, or at least mm-hmm. I feel like that. But, you know, every – and so, like, I think that with most of the stuff that I do, which is, like, business as usual – I'm okay with putting it out there, right? But it's when I do something completely new, like this Switch video, it's it's trickier. Like, I don't feel this way so much with all of the vlog episodes that I do. Like, it, I feel like, I maybe feel like about it with, like, certain segments, you know? Mm-hmm. Where I'm like, this was a new thing that I tried and it didn't go as well as I wanted. But, like, I felt that way when I was first doing it. As you know, like, I spoke about it on the show, just, like, my dread at letting the world see these things that i've made Mm -hmm. but i kind of gotten to the point where i was comfortable enough to turn the camera on i felt like i could kind of achieve something that i was looking for which was another reason why i decided to make this video such a drastic departure Mm -hmm. knowing that there would be a certain element of doubt that i will put on myself but i feel like that yeah it's part of the creation process and it gets easier in certain ways but like very rightly as you said it also then gets hard again in new ways yeah, and, and you also have the problem, like with this particular project, that all of this is, all of these feelings are heightened because it is something new. And so you have a much greater level of uncertainty about how is it going to be received, mm-hmm. right? That it's like, you you know, you, you made whatever it is, six episodes of a vlog before this thing went out. And so you had some some sense by episode six of how are people probably going to receive a vlog episode, but then changing it up, you never know how people are going to take that. And that's that's kind of why I was giving you like a little bit of a pretend hard time in, in the opening. Like, oh my God, you did something different in your vlog. Because I feel very strongly about this, that there, there is this real tension between the audience and the creator when it comes to new things. Mm-hmm. That I think it is 
vitally important for the creators to do and try new things. Like this is this is one of the reasons why like I'm I'm very very intent on not having a particular topic for my YouTube channel because it's like I'm going to be doing videos on things that interest me and this is this isn't there isn't an expectation of what is the topic always going to be or looking through the back catalog like some of my videos are very different from other ones and I think that's that's a very that's an intentional thing like I think it is important for creators to do things differently but if you generate any kind of audience, you have that audience because people like the thing that you do. And, and so they want more of the same thing always. And for you as a creator, that might not be what you want to do. And I think, of course, like the most, the most high level uh, public version of this that's happening right now is, is like PewDiePie. Like his content has really changed over the past years. And it is very obvious that there is there is like a conflict between people who like the old stuff and his desire as a creator to make new things that are different. And everybody goes through this in, in one form or another. But I think it's it really is important to, to try and do different things as a creator. But but it always puts you on on edge because you know like this might go really poorly with my pre existing audience. But it's like got to plow ahead anyway. And you can see this just this pattern of creators doing things that are different from what their audience wants. Like you see this repeat over and over again. Even in the music industry, it's the same thing. Like a band will do a thing and they get a huge audience. And you see like that band in their next album wants to do something that's very different from what they did previously. And their audience might not like it. It's not what I signed up for. Yeah, exactly. Like you did a thing that I liked. Do that forever. Do that until the end of time. But it's like, that's just not how it works if you're in any kind of creative field. Yeah, I was definitely thinking about this. And Mm -hmm. kind of the conclusion that I came to is that I was early enough along in the process that it wouldn't be terrible mm-hmm. um, and it was also one of the reasons that you know, like if for people that are watching every video i tried to like make it very clear that i was going to do this mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know so like give people an expectation of it mm-hmm. um and i'm gonna definitely do some of the original stuff right like my next video will probably well it, my next video will be a more travel focused vlog again mm-hmm because I'm traveling a bunch in April. But my next one after that will probably be, or if, if things go the way that I want, a review of the new iPad. We'll keep our fingers crossed. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> oh, God. Just something, please, come on. Uh, <laughs> Unhappy times for everyone in the Apple world, no matter what you like. <laughs> like, fingers crossed for iPad, maybe, ever? Oh, gosh. Just anything. <laughs> anything. And then I'm hoping that, like, as time goes on, then that's what people expect, right? That they expect a mix of these things. Mm-hmm. But right now, I still feel like there is an element of me making these videos for me. Mm-hmm. And that people are sharing in that. But eventually, if, if things go the way that I would like them to, I do lose a bit of that control. And, mm-hmm. and I understand that. You have, to ex- you have to respect the audience, you know? And, and I think that there is a tightrope to walk through that. 
of being able to express yourself creatively in the way that you want to, mm -hmm. but also giving the people that are deciding to spend their time with you the thing that they want as well. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a delicate balancing act. And you are totally right that in the beginning life cycle of your YouTube channel or any creative project, you are more free to go all over the place. And as the audience grows, that feeling of constraint can definitely get stronger. I also think that it, it's still important to be able to feel like you can do something different instead of feeling like you're, you're trapped in the exact same, same thing. Well, isn't that what your second channel's for, right? Like, isn't that what they, that's what they exist, right? <laughs> that's, that's part of, yeah, the, the second channel is so I can put up just garbage that took a minute to do, but that I just think is funny for some reason. Yeah, that's like, but, the, but the, it, it definitely is the case that, that is kind of like a weird outlet of like, oh, I'm just going to put up whatever. Again, it doesn't even matter on, on the second channel in a way that I would never do on the first channel. Yeah. <laughs> so just out of curiosity, Mike, do you have any idea how long this vlog took you? Did you do time tracking on this one? <laughs> Again, this isn't a vlog, Gray. This was a, this was a I'm sorry. tech product review. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to use the wrong terminology. For your tech product review, do you have any idea how long it took you? Yeah, I do. It took me uh, nine and a half hours. Oh, that's pretty good. It's pretty good. Well, that was just the time that I tracked. I know there was some time that I didn't track. <laughs> I still think that's pretty good. But I also bet for anybody who has not ever made a YouTube video, that seems like an astounding amount of time mm -hmm. for a final product that is 10 minutes and 37 seconds long. What's the what's the multiple on that, right? Like it takes out oh, twice as long to edit a podcast as it does to record. So it's like, okay, well, for producing producing a video where you're not on screen, where you have to put something on screen for every minute, you have a ratio of nine hours to ten minutes. <laughs> Brutal. <laughs> it's tough. It's, it's it's a lot of time. It's a lot of time. Worth it, but a lot of time. Yeah, I think it was worth it. It was interesting to see you do something else. And I look forward to your future vlogs. I mean, tech product reviews. Tech product reviews, not vlogs. Not vlogs at all. I look forward to your future history videos. <laughs> Thank you. Have you ever made a history video? I don't think so. I don't know, but I think that's what people think you make. <laughs> that and science videos. That's my other favorite one. People go like, oh, he's a science channel. Like, which video is that? History and science. <laughs> Isn't that the tagline for your channel? Yeah. CGP Grey. Hist all history, all science, all the time. Except when there's nothing. All history, all science, none of the time. <laughs> yes, I like that. <laughs> oh, that's actually quite good. I should change the channel to that. <laughs> Today's episode of Cortex is brought to you by DICE. DICE has been helping tech professionals advance their careers for more than 20 years. They have the tools and insights needed to give you an edge. The Dice Careers mobile app is the premier tool to manage your tech career from anywhere. With thousands of positions from top companies, you'll find exactly what you're looking for. What if you're wondering what's next in your career? Well, Dice's new career pathing tool will help you learn about new roles based on your job title and skills. They'll even show you which skills you need to make the move. And then the Dice Careers Market Value Calculator allows you to understand what your skills are worth. Discover your market value based not only on your job title and location, but based on your specific skill set. 
Don't just look for a job. Manage your technology career with Dice. Download the Dice mobile app and learn more at dice.com slash Cortex. Our thanks to Dice for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. The Nintendo Switch is freaking awesome, by the way. I love it so much. I love it so much and all i want to do is play zelda like 100 percent of my time always <laughs> when i'm not playing it i'm thinking about it mm-hmm. it's all of it is amazing i was thinking it would be the perfect games console for a greatcation as well you know mm, yeah but see when i do a greatcation i i there's no computer games there's no computer games there's no social media mm. so it is it is not actually the perfect console for a greatcation it would be a nightmare console for a greatcation i wouldn't i wouldn't want to bring it with me well it's the perfect console for vacations right oh there we go that's different (laughs) it does look cool like i have to say it looks it looks super cool as far as consoles go it is definitely the console that has piqued my interest the most of anything in like Mm -hmm. you know i mean the last 10 years really uh because i've just i've just been a PC master race <laughs> brackets actually iMac gamer for essentially all of that time but the, but it looks it looks awesome and I too have very fond memories of of Nintendo from my childhood so I do feel I do feel tempted I feel very tempted I'll convince you okay I'm just going to show you Zelda I just want you to see the majesty that is this Zelda game <laughs> cuz like I'm not even I'm not Zelda was never really one of the properties that I played very mm-hmm. often, but this is just nothing like any Zelda game before. Hmm. It's it's astounding. Hmm. It really is just unbelievable. Oh, so I guess this podcast is just interrupting your Zelda time. Is that what's happening? Everything is. Oh, poor Mike. What happens tough. when you get obsessed with a game? Mm-hmm. Your whole life is just an obstacle in the way of playing the game. Do you know what I'm living <laughs> in fear of right now, though? What? The moment where I stop. You mean when you win? No, the moment where I... We both suffer from this. Mm-hmm. Where you're playing a video game, mm-hmm. and then you just immediately lose all interest in the video game. Oh, okay. You have this too? Okay. I, I actually yeah. don't think we've, we've discussed this, but I, I didn't... Okay, so you have this feeling too. People yeah. either get this or they don't. All right. So, like, I'm, I am, like, every day playing a game, thinking about it, like, mm-hmm. it is consuming me, and then mm-hmm. all of a sudden, stops. Mm-hmm. It completely just stops. Sometimes, especially with iPhone games, it's like I went on a, a trip and didn't mm-hmm. play it on the trip and then just decided never to play it again. It just pops out of my head and I'm just like, yeah, I'm not interested anymore. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, like I know this is going to happen with Zelda, but I don't want it to. Mm-hmm. I want to finish it. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm, I'm concerned I won't finish it. And I just need to keep plowing ahead. <laughs> I feel like I've got to get it done before Mario Kart. Right, so I've got about a month. Okay, that's your deadline. Yeah, before Mario Kart. <laughs> Mario Kart on, on the Switch is getting even more tempting. Yep. Getting even more tempting. It's going to be great. <laughs> How many hours of my childhood did I pour into Mario Kart? All of them. Yep, get ready. It's coming. <laughs> I want to do something we haven't done in a while, Gray. Yeah? Caretex. No. Where we Care-tech. take a- No. No. What? We're not doing this again. What are you talking about? Yeah, Caretex. Oh, God. Andrew asked. (laughs) This is a question that we received from a bunch of different people written in a bunch of different ways, but Mm -hmm. Andrew put it into one sentence. How long should you make no money on a side project before you know it's time to move on? 
Ooh. Now, Ooh. I want to just like straight up say and just get this out of the way. This is obviously different for every single type of side project, right? So there is not a fixed timeline, I think. I, I don't think the answer to this is actually calendar time. Okay. I think the answer is something else. I'm going to say six months. I'm going okay. to put a calendar date on it. All right, great. How long were you <laughs> making YouTube videos before you quit your teaching job? Okay, well... All right, Mike. It depends on what you're talking about. Uh (laughs) See, that's what I just said. (laughs) It's six months asterisk. Well, yeah. I mean, part of it is part of it is that the YouTube videos. It took me a long time to recognize, like, oh, this is a thing that can even be a career. As as I constantly need to mention, because it's like the forgotten mists of time, that YouTube was not really a thing that you made money on when I started it. So I think it's that's a little bit different. Right, because that's the thing, though. I think so many people's side projects start that way. Like, here's a thing I want to do. So you start doing the thing, and then all of a sudden you're like, oh, hang on. I love this more than any other thing. At first, it was just a thing I wanted to try because I'm interested in it, like podcasting mm-hmm. or YouTube or writing. It's like, this is just a thing that I enjoy. And yeah. then it's like, oh, I enjoy this so much, I can't bear to do anything else. Right, and then maybe that the, the clock starts ticking. I mean, I guess this is this is Mike. Mike talks about how much he loves podcasting, and and he's living his dream, uh, right? But there's there's like CGP Gray over here who had a bunch of projects that were all just cynical projects, right? <laughs> to, to to escape from the working life. Right? That's all right. <laughs> let me say it in your in your terms of like, this is a thing I can bear more than anything else. All right, does uh-huh, that make you right. feel better? Sure, whatever, whatever. <laughs> but like, there is a moment in which you decide, I want to do this thing, right? Mm-hmm. No right, matter yeah. what reason it is you're deciding, whether it's like the thing that takes the least time or it's the thing that you're interested in the most, whatever your reasons are, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. But I think that even from that point, I couldn't say to you, you should then only take six months on it. Mm hmm. Because that's not what I did. I spent like another three years from that point. Mm-hmm. But I still got there, right? And, and and again, I'm not saying like you should do that. Um, I would actually advise that most people don't do that. Like take three years on it. But I think it's it shouldn't be about time, and, and and I think that that's, for me, the only thing I can say is don't put it in a sense of pure time, but surrounding factors, which could be health, which could be I don't have any friends anymore, mm-hmm. or could be my spouse wants to kill me, mm-hmm. right? Like, And I'm making fun of all of those things, but they are all the things. Mm-hmm. And... It is a, you need to keep going to the point in which you realize the sacrifice isn't worth it anymore. And it's like, that's the worst advice to give. Yeah, that's terrible advice. But it's the only thing that I know, because I don't think that there is a time frame. Like, you have to do it until there is another factor. Yeah... I like six months, Ugh. right? Because you would. 
All right, so well, in, case, look, in case like, anybody like, hadn't already realized that me and you are very different, I think this is it, right? Like, I'm like, until the passion in your belly. Yeah, Mike's all like, do what you love and the money will follow. And yeah, and, and yeah. No, it's look, like, because I think built into this question is there's an intent in this question. How long should you make little to no money with a side project before you know it's time to move on, right? There's an intent there, which is I have a side project, the purpose of which is to make some money. Right. That's I think that's embedded in this question. If there's a if there's a thing that you love to do, right, that it, it puts rainbows into your brain and you you love it above everything and it makes no money, uh, but you still want to keep doing it like that's fine. Everybody's got to have hobbies. Right. I guess. Except me. I can't maintain any hobbies. Uh, but I think that's what that is. That's a description of a hobby. But this feels like a thing that's that's an intent with purpose. And I guess I feel strongly about this because when I when I look on past idiot me who was who was trying to spin up his own thing, I think this by far by far is is one of the costliest mistakes that I made, which was sticking with projects for way too long. Right? Way too long. Um like I think of some of the other stuff that I that I used to do and it was like so I used to do this time management business thing like forever ago now like in the mists of time and that was actually a side project that did make money but more importantly it it was like it never quite made enough for me to do it as a self-employed thing right to be on my own 100% but I I like I just stuck with that for too long and it it was a kind of mediocre success like it's earning some money but i'm not like i'm not spinning this up into another thing and i i still like i still remember actually exactly where i was when i made the decision that like it's time to drop this even though this project is making some money this is not going to be the thing you've been working on it too long and that was like one of the best decisions I ever made. And there's some other projects like that where it's like, I worked on this thing for too long and I should have switched projects sooner. So that that's why I, th- I think like if your intent with a side project is to actually make money with it, I think from, from everyone I know who has successfully transitioned to being like a self-employed on their own person their side project that was the thing that actually did it for them made money relatively quickly and also scaled up relatively quickly it's it's not it's not so much like a oh i was working on a thing for four years and then suddenly one day it it became the thing like i just i don't really think that that happens so that's why i say like if this is really your explicit intent Six months, six months, and if you don't see a really promising trend line, ditch it. Start the next thing. Do it for a year. You want to do it a year? That's fine. Whatever. But just just have something in your mind. Don't just, just don't just keep going on with it in a in a vague way and thinking like, oh, someday this thing is going to pay off because it it probably won't. This question comes from Daniel. Daniel says, I find it fascinating to hear your takes on employment, particularly two that come to mind are your responses to leaving employment for self-employment and whether university is or isn't worth it. Mm. Those are are big questions. Okay. (laughs) I guess the reason I find myself writing is because I don't fully fall into either of those things you guys have answered. So don't worry, Gray. We don't have to answer those questions today. (laughs) Is university worth it? 
Discuss. <laughs> Maybe for a later show. I'm currently a student with an office job that is currently sucking the soul out of me. Don't get mm-hmm. me wrong, I feel mm-hmm. like I'm lucky for having an office job at a young age, while most of my friends do not. However, lately getting dressed for work in the mornings has felt like I'm bracing myself to go into a battlefield. I find myself drowning in the amount of work I have and also constantly arguing or putting up with bad attitudes for as little as saying good morning. It also doesn't help that I am hourly not salary-based and being paid a ridiculously smaller amount than the person I ended up replacing. It feels Mm -hmm. chaotic, and although changes are said to be coming to help with the chaos, Mm -hmm. they always are. Mm, Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, they always are coming. Don't believe that. Those changes, they're just on the horizon. Any moment now, just stick with it. (laughs) So although changes are said to be coming to help with the chaos, I can't help but feel like it's only downhill from here. The place that once felt like home might as well be a minefield waiting to explode. All that said... I don't have another thing to jump to. There is no side hustle. Without limited education or experience, I'm not 100% sure how easy it would be to find another job. So my question is, what would you guys do? Would you try to take more money and stay? Are all of these signs that I should be running? Or am I just being a rebellious young person who doesn't want to put up with being put down constantly? It's signs that you should go. Definitely. Yeah, that's, that's what I like. My experience with this stuff is when things in a working environment turn for the worse. You just you just cannot believe ever any of the promises of future improvement. Though those will not be coming. Those are mollifications to to keep you where you are. Like if you don't if you don't have a a, a side hustle, like there's there's obviously like you don't want it to jump into the void of nothing. But I would be very actively looking for another better position to get into somewhere else that's that's what i would be doing and i know what daniel's saying about the fact that they're young and that they don't have a lot of experience and like i get all of that like and Mm -hmm. it would be tricky to find another job that might be like on paper as good Mm -hmm. but if you allow yourself to get into this mindset for your first job Mm -hmm. you will be doing this forever yeah if you allow yourself at this point to just stick it out, you will be sticking it out in every job you ever have. You're in this position, you know, what whatever it is, like this is a bullet point on your resume, and and you use this, you use this to stretch into the next job. Because like here's a pro tip. When people put out requirements for another job, those are not hard and fast requirements. Right? Like you can you can try to stretch it in applications for other things. So like this is a ladder that you want to try to climb. Like stretch it to to a better position if you can. Even if you don't necessarily think like you're one hundred percent you're one hundred percent qualified for that other position. Because like but just just try it. Like just just go for it. So You already got a job with no experience. Yeah. Exactly. You now have magnitudes of experience more <laughs> yeah. than you had the last time. Yeah. Literally infinitely more yeah. <laughs> than what you had before. You have all of the experience in the world, you know, yeah. if you look at how you were last time. Yeah. But but like more I think the meta lesson here is just never trust never trust your employer when they tell you next year we're going we're gonna, to, like, make things up to you for this year or there's changes coming. It's like, no. Yeah, never believe that stuff. Because here's the thing. There may be, and they may change the things that are upsetting you now, mm-hmm. but there'll be new problems that need mm-hmm. new changes. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, if you're in a, a workplace where it feels like there's always changes around the corner, mm-hmm. it means that the changes are never coming as quickly as they should be. 
mm-hmm. right? And and this is usually the mark of a big machine. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Trundling its way through the corporate world. I spent too long in a job that I shouldn't have been in, mm-hmm. feeling all of this. Uh, and and it, I took too long before I made a change. And I will always regret not doing that. Mm-hmm. because of like what it put me through. So if you are in this situation, of course, it's never easy to just get a job. No. But there are always jobs. And the thing is, you should, if you're feeling like this, you should at least be looking elsewhere so mm-hmm. you get an idea of what is available and at least so you feel like you have your future in your hands a little bit. Yeah. Right? Your, your real job when you have a job is to find your next better job. Yep, and that can be inside the company or outside the company. Yeah, a- anywhere. Like I, when when I was teaching, like I, I switched schools, like for the same kind of thing. Like I like I want to have a, a better position, like in terms of what that meant to me. Of like, what is it that I'm lo- looking for? But even when I was at a school where I was totally one hundred percent happy, I never never did not look at those job listings. Right, I had an automated thing for like job listings that matched a bunch of criteria that I was looking for. And it's like every week I got that little list and it's like, I'm perfectly happy in my position right now, but I'm going to take a look. I'm going to take a look and just see what's out there. Like this is, if you have a job, I think this is, this is part of it. It's always keeping an eye on the horizon. Do it, Daniel. Good luck, man.